0: The Heart of Art, scoping the Brussels Valley for the best artists and bringing them to your radio. Ladies and gentlemen, your host, Hector Niño. Hello, good evening, everyone, and welcome back to the KMU Studios. My name is Hector Nino, and you're listening to The Heart of Art, the show that brings you artists from all over the Brussels Valley and brings them to your radio. Alright, so we have two art announcements today, the first one being that it is going to be first Friday, um, this Friday, April 1st, Uh, and there's a couple things going on. We have uh, student musicians from the Brazos Valley Music Teachers Association uh, Focus Festival that will be performing uh, at St. Andrew's Episcopal Church from 6 to 9 p.m., and there will also be the Brazos Valley Chapter of American Guild of Organists uh, showing um, the St. Andrew's organ, Uh, And there will also be an art exhibit made by the students. So you you are free to go check that out. That will be at First Friday at the St. Andrew's Episcopal Church in Historic Downtown Bryan. And KMU will actually be there as well. So we will have some candy, some games for us to play. And I will also be there. So if you'd like to come say hi, come and meet me. uh, I would encourage you to do so. I would love to meet you guys. All right. And for our second art announcement, we have uh, the Friends of Chamber Music uh, hosting the Arid String Quartet from France. And this will be taking place in the First Presbyterian Church. And this will also be April 1st on Friday. There's a lot going on on Friday. So a lot to see here in uh, the Bryan College Station area. And that will be at 7 p.m. And if you can't attend in person, you can register through their website at fcmtx.org and this event is also free and open to the public if you are going in person and this will be a great quartet a great uh, performance of real sound musicians so i encourage you guys to go check it out all right and now for this episode we will have a very special guest their name is alok v menon and they are a non-binary indian american poet author performer and really anything artistic. Um, And they are a great source of inspiration for me personally. And you will see how Alok is very much a ward choreographer. I think that will be very evident through um, the interview that we do have. So I'm really excited for you guys to listen to them. And for the second part of our show, we will have an excerpt from the concert of the United States Army Field Band and Soldiers Chorus. But for this episode we will be focusing mostly on the Soldiers Chorus itself um, They have some amazing performances The first one will be America, My Country Tis of Thee And that is arranged by Robert Edgerton And then they also sang uh, "Besame Memucho by Consuelo Velasquez uh, And that's from 1941 And they do a really awesome arrangement of it And yeah, I hope you guys enjoy Let's start the show Hello, good evening, everyone, and welcome back to the KME Studios. My name is Hector Nino, and this is The Heart of Art. Uh, today in the studio, we have a very special guest. Well, they are not actually in the studio. We are actually communicating through Zoom. Um, but bear with me, there's going to be quite a bit of an introduction. Uh, they are an Indian-American poet, comedian, author, activist, performer, model, and world superstar, really. And uh, they are the author of three uh, books beyond the gender binary your wound my garden and Femin public and if you'd like to check out their instagram uh it is alok v menon alok a-l-o-k-v-m-e-n-o-n and yeah welcome to the studio alok nice to have have you today
1: i'm so excited to be here thanks for having me
0: of course of course um so you grew up here in college station uh where are you currently
1: i live in new york city currently
0: okay awesome awesome And did you begin writing here in College Station?
1: I totally did. Um, I was probably 11 or 12 years old when I started to write my first poems. I was a middle schooler at either Cypress Grove or College Station Middle School. And I needed somewhere to author myself into existence. I didn't really have language to describe who I was or what I was feeling. And so I turned to writing as a way to experiment. And at the time, I didn't really call it poetry. It was more just my journal. And I would publish anonymously under a pseudonym online. And then people online would say, you're a poet. And I was like, I guess I am.
0: Wow, that's awesome. Um, there was a part in Beyond the Gender Binary where you talk about uh, your culture and being here in College Station and... Um, I, I, I viewed that kind of like as the place where you kind of started performing even, you know, when you were like dancing as a little kid and people would like cheer you on. Uh, would you say that that is the case?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I grew up in a very tight-knit Indian community in College Station and we would have kind of potluck dinners every weekend and I would use those as an opportunity to do my own interpretive dance, to the latest Bollywood songs. And at that time in my life, I didn't really have any shame. It was so much more about creative self-expression. I didn't care what other people thought. Mm
0: -hmm. Right. I also liked how you paralleled, well, I think you paralleled, that's how I viewed it, um, how your parents kind of chose to hang out with people that were like them. And I think you did the exact same thing once you were able to.
1: Yeah, totally. So Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I dealt with having to navigate completely different worlds as a young person called station. There were people who were totally okay with gender and sexuality, and then those who totally weren't. And so I was sort of confused from a young age, because while I might have acceptance in my home, I didn't feel like that was reflected out of it. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay. And then once you did leave College Station, uh, you went to Stanford, correct? Right. And you have two bachelors? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then a master's in sociology, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think all of this studying kind of helped you put words to what you were experiencing?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think so much of my life has been about trying to take intangible experiences and translate them into language or images. And as an undergraduate, I was desperate to find out if there were other people in the world who had gone through the things that I had gone through or felt the things that I felt. I think growing up in College Station, Texas, I didn't know it was possible to be non-binary or neither a man nor a woman. And it was only in university when I discovered that there had always been people like me. And that in fact, as an Indian person, that there had been people like me in my culture for thousands of years, that actually so many times those people were actually recognized as sacred and spiritual leaders in our community.
0: Right, and that's so different from the culture that we live in so i had a question like what is poetry exactly to you because i know it can be like you know a special intensity of emotion given um through style and rhythm but i would say that also like your modeling is poetry and your performance as well
1: yeah totally i think i began with a narrow idea of poetry as just text and then in college i started to perform it and so poetry became about oration and storytelling and then when I moved to New York City, I realized that poetry was actually a way of living. And what that means for me is about recognizing that there are no rules. The joy of a poem is that there's no fixed template. You're kind of making it up as you go on. And your compass is beauty. So you just want to accomplish that, a kind of striking moment, an arresting moment of beauty. And so for me, what poetry is, is about an orientation and intention towards beauty and everything that I do, a reverence for experimentation, a commitment to um, revision. Because I also think what I love about poetry is that it's it's never fixed. I can go back to poems I wrote years ago and (laughs) decide to change them and evolve. And I think that's the same thing as human beings. We're constantly rough drafts.
0: Right. I think you embody that so well. Um, I wanted to highlight this line from What Lives in Death from your Wound My Garden, page two. Um, You were talking about poets themselves, and you said, We fling ourselves into ourselves. Would you say that this is like your creative technique?
1: Yeah. You know, I think one of the things that I think defines our era is in the past, in like Greek and Roman empires, they would have sculptures with people holding like spears or triumphs. I think our era, it's someone holding a selfie camera directed back to themselves. Like those are the sculptures we have. Definitely. We have now developed technology that allows us to introspect in a way that we never could before. So much of what life was before the advent of modern technology relied on other people's interpretations of who we should be. But I think in my generation, it was one of the first generations we could kind of turn the camera to ourselves and ask, what is my self-image? Who do I want to be for myself? What is my idea of self-intimacy? And that's where so much of my poetic impulse comes from, is that kind of excavation work of trying to figure out who am I on my own terms.
0: Um, What would you say this creative process of creating a piece of poetry is like? Um, Where do you start?
1: Yeah. um, The truth is the majority of the work of being an artist is less about the actual composition process and more about living because you have to absorb things around you, notice them in order to have ammunition, if you will, for your poems. So for me, it looks like paying attention. When I'm walking down the street, what do I see? What strikes me as beautiful or meaningful or, in- or interesting? And then I keep this massive notepad on my phone of funny things, curious things, ideas that I'm learning. And so then when I'm deciding it's time to write a poem, I kind of revisit that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I I really like that image of, let's say, a, 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 a taxi splashing water onto a sidewalk. Let me sit about what is it about that I like about that image. What I like about it is it takes two separate fields, a sidewalk and a street, and water unifies them. And people think of this as pollution or as an annoyance. But what if I was to actually say that it was a reminder of something? And so then I think about what that image represents for me, and then the poem unfurls from the image. And in the same way, when I'm constructing an outfit, I begin with one thing, be it an earring or a heel, and then I construct the entire outfit around that thing. So every poem has a heart. Um, which is the sort of center that then unfurls, kind of like the blossoming of a flower. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I think everyone should have, you know, that little notepad, whether it be on your phone or a physical notepad. Why do you write? Do you write for others or do you write for yourself?
1: Yeah, I guess I would say I no longer see the distinction between myself and others. Mm -hmm. And every good poem seeks to collapse that false distinction. Um, You know, so much of the work I try to do as an artist is not just to say there have always been people who are neither man nor woman, but rather to say that all dichotomies are simplifications, and that actually there's always been a space between that's shared. And as a poet, I want to create a kind of gallery of every emotion I've ever felt and have people walk through it and be like, wait, I felt that same thing. How could we be so different and yet still feel the same thing? That's what a poem allows me to do. And I learned the power of poetry growing up in College Station, Texas, where I started writing and performing because I realized that even though people kept on saying that I was different because of my family's religion or race or my gender or my sexuality, we all felt the same kind of loneliness, the same kind of pain and anguish and curiosity. And so, poetry was the place that I could actually explain and show people hey, I'm just like you. And when I say I'm just like you, what I mean is that I feel. And feeling is what makes us human. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you ever, you know, you've gotten so much recognition for your work. Um, do you ever suffer from imposter syndrome at times? You know, maybe from pressure from viewers or fans?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I feel like I feel very confident now writing poetry. I'm like, yeah, I can do that. Mm -hmm. I feel very confident about so many things I do in my life. But that's never been enough for me. It's always about pushing to the next kind of thing. Like, I want to make more visual art. I want to think more about acting and cinema. And then the imposter syndrome flares up there. Like, oh, my God, I should stay in my lane. Mm -hmm. I should just be an author. But I really, truly feel like the purpose of being alive is to continue to grow. And a lot of what I write about, actually, is that we have to continue to shed skin. Like, we outgrow the narrative that we wrote about ourselves continually, And that's what it means to be alive, is to continually push and seek something else, strive for something else. And so I think the imposter syndrome comes in because it's trying to keep me safe. It's trying to say stay in this familiar zone where you're loved. But every time in my life, I've learned that when we stay, it ends up being loveless because we stay out of fear. So what we have to do is take the first jump. It's writing the first stanza. It's going outside for the first time in a dress. It's looking in the mirror and saying, I'm gonna love myself today. You have to take that first jump And that's how you get through imposter syndrome. There's no medicine. There's no mantra. There's no advice. It's just actually looking at fear in the face and saying, welcome. I know you're here to stay, but so am I. Mm -hmm.
0: I feel like there's a certain level of um, knowing yourself and honesty with yourself that you have to achieve in order to be able to do this. Um, I would say your poetry is at times even like... um, Partially honest and would you say that you're encouraging others also to be honest with themselves
1: yeah all we can do is show up and say the truth mm-hmm. and poets have always been arbiters of the truth and people who speak it even when it's unpopular and what I try to do in my poems is to actually create a fingerprint that is uniquely me um it's my soul's fingerprint and it's honest to what I felt when I was writing that poem. And that's probably gonna change, you know? Like I look back at things that I wrote years ago, like I mentioned, I'm like, whoa, who was that person? <laughs> but then I realized it was like who I was at that moment and that's honest. Um, and I, I, I guess what really, what really moves me about poetry as a method and as a form is it's often the most difficult form of writing to do because no one wants to read poetry. (laughs) And you have to convince people you need this poem and they're looking at you like, what the hell? Like never. Um, You have to model and you have to act and you have to do comedy and you have to dance around to get people to read a poem. And so what is so sacred about poetry for me is its link to oration before we could even write down things, we told stories like poems. And I think when I'm saying that our job on earth is to say the truth, what I actually am saying is that the most honest way to speak is a poem. And that the rest, noise, um, actually what I want to do is not just write poetry, but speak it. And and to speak poetry means to continue to, to be honest about what I'm dealing even if people don't want to hear it Mm
0: -hmm. yeah I mean it I feel like you transformed your pain into poetry and you know poetry transforms people so thank you for that um I know you mentioned that you want to go into cinema um what are some other projects that you might be looking into the future
1: yeah I mean speaking of poetry I I'm gonna be recording audiobooks of my two poetry books, which I'm really excited about, that's oh. something I've been meaning to do for such a long time. And um, I'm excited to think about like how to incorporate sound more into the poems. Um, because they, they're so there's so much like music to me. And then, yeah, i'm I'm starting to act, which is funny. <laughs> I never thought I'd end up here, but here I am. So I have some cool acting projects on the horizon. And um, I think also what I'm trying to do is redefine beauty, and and that takes many forms. Um, And what a redefinition of beauty looks like for me is saying beauty is what is, not what ought. So beauty is what already exists around us. It's not something that we have to change or modify in order to actualize. And so with beauty as my compass, I guess I'll just end up wherever it takes me.
0: Right. Um, I did want to ask something a little more personal um what this interview meant to you and like what you would say to the people of college station listening now
1: yeah you know i used to listen to this radio station all the time my parents were big fans and it would be on when we were driving to school or not and college station is a complicated place because it makes so many people feel impossible and unlovable and i guess i would ask how can we continually choose love over fear how in every airwave not just from a radio but in a conversation with a friend spread the message of love and how can we recognize that love is actually the most powerful and productive force in the universe so it means a lot to be here it feels like an act of love and i wish that i had heard a voice like mine when i grew up there and if you are someone like me there know that I love you and I'm rooting for you and you belong.
0: Wow. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that wraps up our interview pretty well. Um, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. And, uh, if you'd like to check out ALOK's work, make sure to check out their Instagram at Menon. That's A-L-O-K-V-M-E-N-O-N. So once again, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. right now we will be listening to a performance by the soldiers chorus um and the song that they will be performing is america my country tis of thee arranged by robert ederton enjoy Alright, and for our second performance, we will be listening to uh, an arrangement by the Soldier's Chorus of Besame Mucho by Consuelo Velasquez, 1941. Hope you enjoy.
2: Bésame, bésame mucho Como si fuera esta noche la última vez Bésame, bésame, bésame mucho Que tengo miedo. i Yeah.
0: All right, you guys, uh, we are at the end of our show. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Thank you to Alok for uh, agreeing to do this interview with me through uh, our Zoom call. And once again, thank you to the Academy of Visual and Performing Arts for allowing me to record their concert. And thank you so much for the Soldiers Chorus for those amazing performances. And remember, there are a lot of art activities going on this weekend. So make sure to go out there and uh, expose yourself to all the wonderful art that is being created here in the Brazos Valley. Um, KMU will also be at First Friday and I will be there as well. So if you want to, you know, meet me in person, give me your thoughts about the show, any suggestions, I will be there. So uh, looking forward to it. Make sure to tune in next week.